Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night Podcast. I'm Adam Catterall. It's a pleasure once again to be in your company. I haven't done this for a long period of time. I know that the boys knocked out a podcast for you last week, but I personally haven't been with you for ages. So it's great to be back. And it's great to be back talking to uh, some of the biggest names in the world of fight sports, of which you're going to hear on this podcast. If it's the first time you've ever come to this, by the way, please hit subscribe uh, on the old iTunes. And if you can write us a five-star review, it just helps us with our visibility in the iTunes charts. It helps us... Uh, get to more people and hopefully uh, continue uh, uh, us being able to bring you more content in the not-too-distant future. Right, let's get on with it, rather than me just witter on, uh, because you're going to want some boxing news first and foremost, aren't you? There's a big fight on the horizon in the heavyweight division. Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, let's get an update with Frank Warren. Mr. Frank Warren, how are you, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm feeling much better than I was. Well, yes, that, I think that's where we should start the conversation because we all heard about um, what happened over Christmas. Um, I've seen you, obviously, on various outlets over the last week or so. You look well, you're sounding well, but I'm sure that it was a worrying time over, uh, over the Christmas period. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got tested positive for COVID and, got, and spent a bit of time in hospital because uh, it, got, it got a bit um, difficult for me with the breathing. But, um, yeah, I'm home now, so that's the main thing and uh, you know, get, trying to get back into it. Have, uh, have Arsenal picked up your spirits this evening after watching that? You nearly sent me to sleep, uh, Frank. I don't know about you, pal. <laughs> we missed a couple of good chances, but, you know, without three, without three players, and uh, I've got to be honest, I was expecting the worst, and I thought, mm. I thought under the circumstances we'd done OK. You did a fantastic interview with, with Alan Hubbard, the former sports editor um, of The Observer, yeah, and it's a really serious point, this, um, in that you really praised the NHS staff that looked after you, the hospital staff. And you were making a very good point in Alan's column that um, it's really important that people take this seriously. Because when you've had a few days of not being able to breathe properly, it's actually pretty frightening. Well, it is. And, you know, and, and, I mean, if people can't take it seriously with all what's going on, 
and seeing the amount of um, fatalities and the amount of people who were testing positive, then they've got to be crazy. And these idiots who say that it's a hoax and, you know, the hospitals is, you know, are, not, are not full, they're mad. I've been there, I've seen it, I've experienced it, and I've seen the difficulties that people are in, that have been, you know, fellow patients. And a couple of them are really bad. I mean, I, I was struggling. And as, you know, as you just mentioned, uh, the NHH staff, you know, the, the nurses, the doctors, the orderlies, you know, the, the you know the cleaning people, the people, you know, people are cleaning, you know, the uh, even the, the, you know the, the, the ladies serving food. Everybody was just brilliant and putting their lives on the line. And when you hear all this mm. garbage that's being spouted by these so-called disbelievers, or who, who actually prefer to call morons, it's 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 uh, it's it's beyond me. And 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 the danger they are to their fellow citizens. How they mm. how they you know, with this mentality and their behaviour. It's just ridiculous. Because you said, I, I read in the column, there was, you know, there was a guy in there that had been in there several months. There were people in there who were yeah. really, really struggling and close to death. And you, you describe it in real detail uh, to Alan Hubbard. It, it sounded really frightening. Well, it was. I mean, you know, you're in an environment where, first of all, I mean, you know, I've been, I've had a couple of operations last year on my back. And, uh, you know, I was, I'm lucky enough to have private health, so I hadn't done privately. Um, and obviously you get the, you get visitors and so forth, but there's no visitors. You can't even get a newspaper. There's, and you, because you're hooked up to a, um, oxygen, it's not like you can, you know, you can, well, you, you're just hooked up, so you're in bed. Mm. And that's what happened. And, and you know, and it's, uh, it, it, it's, you're thinking, that, you know, what have I got to do to get out of here? I mean, in the end of the day for me, I, I sort of made myself get up. I, and rather than, you know, have all the, I was doing bed baths and things like that. You know, I went into the, have a shower, shave. But I mean, going in there, it was my first couple of times. I just could just about breathe and not be sideways. And then, to, you know, you come back and you're, you're in there. And then, I, you know, I made my mind up that I had to do something about it. So I'd get up and try and walk. And outside the wall, there was a long corridor where the other walls were and the nurses' station. So I, walked, I, I, I started walking that and doing as much as I could. Um, and gradually, uh, you know, the doctor was pleased that I was doing that. And he actually said to me, you'll walk yourself out of it. And uh, that's what I did. So I was quite lucky to be able to do that and, and get myself out. But it, but it was horrible. It was mm. absolutely horrible. And looking at people in terrible difficulties and, mm. you know, with their, at the end of the day, with their breathing. That's what it is. It's your lungs and, uh, and the coughing and trying to catch your breath. It's just horrible. Well, it's great to hear you so well. Let's crack on with the with the big topic, obviously. The biggest fight in boxing out there right now is obviously Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua. It's really good to hear. Everybody seems to be on the same page pushing forward. As I just said there, Gareth spoke uh, to Tyson. He's in a good place. He says he's leaving it to yourselves in order to get this uh, fight over the line. And we've had some good developments, haven't we, with the WBO? Uh, because that was one of the stumbling blocks where we thought that maybe there'd be mandatory situations and various things like that. Maybe that belt wouldn't be involved in a big unification. But it's looking very, very likely that all the marbles are going to be on the line for this one. They will be, there's no doubt about that, and uh, you know that's good, for, good for uh, good for uh, Tyson and and uh, AJ, and it's also good for uh, for Joe Joyce. He's going to get a crack at Usyk for the uh, interim title. You got um, dates in mind that you're working towards, Frank? When when do you think that we'll see Tyson and AJ in the ring? Well, I think everybody wants to get it on in, in May or June, and that's what we're working towards. And obviously, it depends on what happens with with COVID. And, and, and 
and where it's going to take place because no decision's been made. But we've got to get the contract finalised first and signed off, and that hasn't happened yet. But we, uh, um, Bob and I were on the phone on Friday night with the with the lawyers, and we was going through the agreement, and we we got another call, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll send it back to Matchroom with our comments on it, and hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we we with a bit of luck, we could get it over the over the line um, next week. With a, with a, you know, if, if we're all on on the same, literally on the same page. That's big. And are you looking at a two fight deal? Are we th- are we maybe thinking of being able to do two this year, no. or are we just getting greedy? No, it's a, you know, it's, I think it's it's out there. So I'm not sort of um, uh, you know uh, revealing anything that's not already been said. It will be a two fight deal, and hopefully uh, both fights will go on this year. I, I understand, Frank, that that an initial draft contract has either landed or is landing in the next couple of days um, for you guys to examine from from AJ's camp. Is that right? Well, that's, that, that's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So, you know, um, so, you know, we'll look at it and obviously um, make our comments and get it back. But, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't think we're far off of getting this done. And, and, it, and at that point, once that's signed... Our understanding is that you then go out to sites, go out to the countries, go out for dates, and then you move on with the whole thing and the two men can get into camp. Well, I mean, that, 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 that is true, but we're getting approaches. You know, we're yeah, getting, appro- mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's obviously there's, there's top rank, there's matchroom sales involved in this, and we're, getting a, we're all getting approaches from various territories about putting this on. So we'll see what, you know, but until it's signed, it doesn't mean nothing. You know, we've got to get the once we've got the agreement. You know, once we get it agreed and everybody signs off on it, all the interested parties, then we can um, move forward. It's hard to plan for venues, isn't it? Because the ideal situation would be to do it in the UK. We've got two fantastic British heavyweights there. You want to do it in front of what ninety, hundred thousand people to be able to see. But with COVID, it's looking very unlikely that we we could do that. Um, but would that be the dream to be able to do that for the second fight? If the first one, for example, is in the Middle East, would the dream to be able to bring them back and be able to do that, say, at Wembley? The, the dream would be to do them both here, as, <laughs> yeah, you, as yeah, you quite absolutely. rightly said, Adam. It's, you know, it's a problem. At the moment, we don't... You know, no, no one knows what's happening from, yeah. you know, from one week to the next. I mean, you, I think we've had this conversation uh, you know, on the, on the, when we took him in the past, and it's always about when's your next, when we're going to get crowds back, when we're... Like I've always said all along, I've got no idea. And I've got to be honest, no one's got any idea. Yeah. Not until this virus is controlled, not until people have got the vaccination. And once everybody's vaccinated, and we're going to have to get vaccinated, even, the, mm-hmm. again, the doubt is there. And I can understand why people you know, may not want, want, want a, a vaccination, but the fact of the matter is, like a flu jab, that's what we're going to have to do. Because if we're going to open up, and try and get back to some sort of normality. Everybody's going to have to do this. Otherwise, we're going to, it's just going to continue. It will mm. continue. Here's, here's one for you, Frank, for the undercard of that. And I know that you're probably not even thinking about that right now because you're thinking about the men fight. But the, because of what's happened with the WBR, there's a wonderful opportunity there for Joe Joyce and Alexander Rusik. Do you think we could get that on the same card as uh, Fury no. AJ? <laughs> no. I'm getting greedy now, aren't I? You're getting very greedy. No, no but, you know, that fight's a standalone fight, and it uh, is. you're right. You know, in an ideal world, we want to do it over here. But the WBO have seen sense with that, aren't they? That they're they're allowing that belt still be on the line, yeah, and then yeah, they, they've, been, they, 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 they've been very accommodating to it. To, to, to 
you know, not getting getting the way of stopping this super fight. Mm. Um, moving on to other things, obviously you've got a date coming up on February 27th. We've got Jamel Herring on the show uh, a little bit later on. We're looking forward to this one. It's an absolute cracker. How delighted are you um, that this, I suppose, is the is the opening? I know it's a little bit late, but the opening of 2021 uh, for Queensbury, bringing this possibly historic night uh, for Carl Frampton to the British fans. Well, I hope it is for him because, you know, he comes through that. I mean, he sets himself up as being, for me, the most successful Irish boxer if he wins three three titles at three different weights. And, he, and he's got a great chance of doing that. I really he believes he can win the fight. And Herring's a good fighter, but so, so you know you're going to get a good fight. But I think Carl's up for it. It's a fight we obviously tried to put on last year. I think it was last um, June, I think it was. Yeah. But obviously the, the, the um, lockdown knocked that, you know, that on the head. So hopefully, we, you know, I'm quite sure we'll get it away and, and see a, a cracking fight with, uh, with the both of them. Mm. Uh, two other little bits from me. Um, we just spoke about Joe Joyce. Obviously, you gave us a cracking fight between him and uh, Daniel at the back end of last year. What's the latest with Daniel? Have you had many conversations with him? What's the plan for getting Daniel back out this year? Yeah, we, we have. We, uh, we, we, we had a, 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 a video call last, uh, not this Friday, Friday before. Um, he's got to go back to see. He's been seeing two specialists, one for the, uh, for the fractures that he had on his eye socket. Yeah. And he's cleared those, but he's got to go back to see the uh, retina um, specialist. And uh, that's on the 5th of February. And provided he gets all clear, he can then resume training. And we're looking to try and get him out, if he gets that all clear, in uh, May. So fingers crossed that he does. And, you know, he's got the bit between his teeth. He was, uh, he was. I mean, just wants to get back in the ring. Mm-hmm. He had, uh, you know, unfortunate injury. Joe done extremely well. Well, they both did. They gave a great fight. It was a, a, a good fight to watch. You know, it was a lot of punches thrown in the fight, and uh, he's a young man, and he feels that uh, you know that he's, he's that he can still do it. And a lot of pressure on him now. You know, when he comes back, there's be a lot of pressure on him. But he, he's he's really up for it. He's he's quite philosophical about everything. Hmm. Uh, and final one for me um, is. We're going to speak in a moment on the show about the Canelo-Billy Joe Saunders fight maybe being made. And the byproduct of that, I hope, is going to be that Andrade fights Liam Williams. What's the latest with that situation? Because I keep up to date with Liam on uh, on social media and he's chomping at the bit, is the kid, isn't he? He's, he's desperate for uh, for getting over there and doing the business. He, he, he is. They go to the first bids, I think, next week. I think they've called for the first bids for next... Uh, well, I think we're going to get notice on Monday where it's going to be. So, first bids... We can't agree terms, so we go to first bids, and uh, whoever wins wins the first bid, I put it on, and uh, I really do think that Liam's got a fantastic chance of of uh, beating Andrade. I really do. He's, he's, you know, since he's gone up to Dominic Ingle and also moved up into weight, he's much more comfortable. It seems to me, middleweight. He's had two fantastic performances, uh, and, he, and mentally, he's really on it. So if he's ever going to do it, now's now's the time. What I was concerned with, I see a tweet. Is it a tweet they put out? Um, Andrade saying he was weighing around two hundred pounds. Jeez. Well, he's had a bit of turkey at Christmas, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like yeah, not, it looks like yeah, but a couple of ostriches. I mean, well, he's, yeah, uh, um, exactly. Um, pounds over the over. The, <laughs> anyway, Frank, go, going for, a couple for me. Go, going back to the Joe Joyce Alexander Usyk fight. Obviously, Joe was was brilliant against Daniel Dubois. Do you fancy Joe to beat Usyk? And does he rightfully be the guy in place then, do you believe, 
to fight the winner of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua potentially early in 2022 or does he have another fight? Because surely if he beats Usyk, and I think he will beat Usyk, um, does he wait for his big opportunity then? Well, the first, uh, answering the last question first, the uh, WBO in in the uh, flyer they put out, they said the winner of the first uh, the first fight between Tyson and um, AJ has to defend against him or they'll be stripped. Yeah. Sorry, defend against the winner of Usyk and, and Joyce or they'll be stripped. Yeah. As for Joe, um, uh, and Usyk, I, I fancy him. Mm. No, I fancied. I also said I fancied Daniel Dubois, but basically because I think they're two big friends. I think he's, he was an unbelievably great, really great um, cruiserweight champion. But he's, mm. he's not like he's a, you know like a his late twenties, a guy going up from cruiserweight to heavyweight and growing into it. He's, I think he's about thirty four now, and that's quite an old age to be going up in weight. And, and you know, I watched him fight against Chad. I see the tape the tape him against Chad. Witherspoon, which I think he stopped him in seven rounds, and I obviously see him against Derek Chisora, and I just feel that he has the. Um, I really do think that he, 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 you know, if he comes in with that weight off like he did in the last fight against Daniel Dubois, I think he's got a, a real good chance against him, and I think, and I think as the fight goes on, it, it, it'll be more his fight. You know, Usyk's going to be fast. But having said that, he's um, you know he's not, he's not a natural heavyweight, and Joe's going to be. I think Joe really does have a great chance of beating him. There you go, a little bit of an update from Frank Warren. So expect some big announcements soon. One big announcement that Frank has already uh, pushed out. We talked about it briefly there in that conversation on February 27th. Jamel Herring, the WBO Super Featherweight Champion, is coming to town, and he's taking on Carl Frampton, who himself hopes to become a three-weight world champion. Well, the champ, Jamel Herring, joined us on the show at the weekend to talk through this bout on Feb 27th. Here he is. Like you guys know as well, I was, I was, you know, I agreed to go even go to Belfast in Carl's backyard with no issue. I never once complained. I never once um, made a rant about who's the A-side, B-side, mumbo-jumbo that you see today in today's boxing world. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to go travel the world and, and give the fans a, a great fight. Even, even if I was going to be the, um, you know, in, basically in, in enemy territory, I had no issue going to Belfast because I believed in me and um, I, I have a great team. And then, you know, when, when the when the pandemic hit, of course, things had changed. But even when I was told by my um, my team at MTK Global about coming to London, I was ecstatic. I, I still I still thought at that time I was going to get, a, um, you know, that, that great um, – UK atmosphere and crowd. So I, I again, I had no issue coming overseas to, to, um, to defend my world title. But that just goes to show you, you know, just how much I believe in me. And and like I said, I, I take the title world champion very seriously. I, I don't believe that you know world champion should just sit in one you know one area of, of the world. I believe a world champion should you know go wherever the fight is wanted at. Good evening, Jamel. I, I just wanted to ask you, and it is lovely to have you on the show again. I just wanted to ask you, um, obviously it's your third defence of the WBO uh, Super Featherweight title. Um, right. Lamont Roach, obviously you won it against uh, Masayaki, though you, you defend mm-hmm. against Lamont Roach and Jonathan Kettlequendo. Do you consider, Carl, given his experience in you know, being a world champion in two other weight divisions, do, do, do you consider this to be the, the toughest defense so far or 
or do you not? Do you see him as over the hill? We've we've talked about him last with him last week about this is his last opportunity he feels to win a world title and become a historic figure with a with a world title in three weight divisions. How do you see him as a fighter, and does it help him that you're having to come over here to fight him? Um, you know, I, I think Frank Warren said it best maybe last week or early in the week in a, in a recent interview. Um, um, even if me coming over there, in terms of right now, dealing with the pandemic is not really much of a difference in terms of, um, you know, basically where it's at with the crowd backing whoever, because pretty much there is no crowd, you know. So for that, for that, um, for that point, you know, it's much of a 50-50 um, setting. But um, I, and I also can't say if he's going to be the toughest opponent, but I will say he'll, he'll be the, um, you know, the biggest name that I came across. And, I, you know, and, and I respect Carl. You know, like I, I tell everybody, you know, who acts, I've, I'm, I'm a fan of Carl Francis. You know, I enjoy watching his fights in the past. And I'm not looking for an over-the-hill um, Frampton because, like I said, um, you know, when, when you feel like it's your last chance, some people take it as their back is against the wall. And this could be, you know, this the, the last shot to make make something big. And not to mention, you know, he has his legacy on the line. He wants to make history. So I'm I'm, I'm obviously preparing for the best call, Frampton. But I can't really say this will be my, you know, my toughest opponent to date. But um, definitely he, um, out, of, out of respect, he is the um the biggest name that I, that I've come across in, in my own career. When you look at the stats alone, you're five inches tall. You've got a seven inch reach advantage. Right. One understands how the game plan should be as a result, you know, and you've got a very fine jab. You can fight and you can box. Can you make this an easy night for yourself? Um, you know, if we're being honest, I think any um, champion will hope to make any fight an easy night on themselves. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, like... You know what I'm asking. You know what I'm asking. We want to last long in the game, but if I, if I, I believe if I go back to what got me to winning the world title then yes definitely that can make an easy fight um me me and my team have spoke about going to, to do old things that we did um before the my secret Edo fight so we're, we're, you know we're going back to what worked you know what, what got us here to begin with and i believe if i just listen to my corner and um you know implement the game plan then of course we can make an easy fight but i i do expect at times for um you know carl to come out hard and try to bring mm. his best when, when the things get when the things get um, tough in there. But I have to just basically stay calm, keep my composure, and just fight my fight at the end of the day. Jamal, talk to me about uh, the pride that you hold of being able to carry on the lineage of Marine boxers. Obviously, your past life as a Marine, and and and, and we've seen guys come out of the Marines and do extremely well in the world of boxing, the likes of the Ken Nortons and the Leon Spinkses of this world. Yeah. What does it mean to you to be able to carry on that lineage? Oh, it mean it means a lot. I mean, like you said, the, those two individuals alone that you just mentioned, they beat the great Muhammad Ali. You know, e e even if they didn't have uh, the best careers afterwards, you know, they still got to, you know, hold that over their head that, you know, they got to win over the greatest of all time. And I feel like even a win over Carl Frampton is, is definitely a great, a great thing for my own legacy. And, you know, when you mentioned, when, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Marine Corps um, tradition. You know, those guys are obviously they were heavyweight, so they wasn't like they can go yeah. to another division and, you know, and win all the world titles. But, you know, as a Marine, I want to be known as a Marine that's also won on um, world titles in, in different weight divisions as well. You guys, you guys know from my past, you know, I try to unify in my own division, but 
It seemed mm. like I, I always kept hitting a roadblock, which is actually why we went the route of, you know, calling um, for Carl Frampton because, and I'm, and I respect Carl for stepping up because, you know, you guys know, I tried to fight Miguel Petrelli in the unification that fell through mm. even at the, even after the, um, the Roche fight, you know, me and Miguel had fought a week apart. So you would think that'll be the roadmap leading to a unification finally, but then, all of a sudden, Oscar Valdez popped up in the scene, and then we see what happened there. So I had to find a dance partner, and you know, to 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 build my own legacy. And Carl Frampton is is a is a great name to, um to have. But after the, after this fight, I do want to continue that Marine tr tradition and fighting in other bigger fights as well. And speaking of lineage as well, just speaking of multi weight world champions, I know that you're very proud of where you come from in Long Island. I don't think there's been yes. a multi-weight world champion nope. from Long Island, has nope. it? No, nope. Buddy McGirt, welterweight. He was a welterweight. Um, and my good friend, Chris Algieri, he, he's yeah. a, um, a junior welterweight champion. And then I was, I'm the third one. So, uh, again, like I said, I, I have the chance in my own career to do something amazing, not only for the Marine Corps, but Long Island as well. And that's why I'm taking this fight very seriously because this can start, you know, to great things before I decide to when I want to, you know, move on from my own career to other things as well. That guy is absolutely top class. Can't wait for him to hit the UK and hopefully we get to interview him a few more times as we build up towards that big title fight with Carl Frampton. Uh, still to come, you're going to hear from Lawrence Acoli. Joseph Parker's going to be on the podcast as well, so stick around for that. But right now, a familiar surname, but not too familiar uh, forename. It is, of course, the son of Ricky Hatton, Campbell Hatton, who gets his professional career underway on March the 6th. We caught up with him on Saturday night. I'm a big fan of nicknames, right? Massive fan of nicknames of fighters. And I, I tell Josh Taylor this all the time. Tartan Tornado, whoever came up with that, is an absolute genius. Come on, Campbell, give it to us now, man. Who was behind the hurricane? Who came up with this? Do you know what? I can't. I've got in my head it was my Uncle Matthew. Because um, yeah, he, he, he told me about the film, about uh, Hurricane Carter. Mm. And uh, I, so he said uh, Hurricane Atten, and I've always, always liked it, so... Um, I sort of stuck with it but I think Mate. it uh, has a good ring to it Mate, it's a belter It's an absolute belter I know that you've just picked Slide Away by the way Is Slide Away going to be the tune that you walk out to uh, on March the 6th or have you got something else? Uh, I've got something else in mind Not not far off but um, okay. All right. not giving much away No, I'll keep you'll it on the app, uh, pal yeah. You'll get people going anyway That's what we like to hear Now then, um, I saw that in the last uh, 24 hours or so you've announced uh, a new management deal you've teamed up with uh, AJ's management team um, talk to me. Talk to me about the process of that because obviously it's important with what you're doing inside the ring, but this is a game as well that evolves uh, uh, outside the ring as well, mate. So talk to me uh, your thought process of signing that management deal. Yeah. Um, well, when we was in the bubble, we uh, we had a little sit down, uh, little sit down, and had a chat uh, with the two five eight lads and uh, Saltbox as well, who we've teamed up with now, because um, obviously. Like I plan on having a long and successful career, and obviously at the end of the day, what matters is me working in the gym. But you want for me to be putting all that work in, you you want them rewards as well, because mm. um, you see, like you see, out loads, there's loads of fighters working hard, but there's not loads of fighters who it necessarily pays off for. So uh, I've sat like we've done the deal with a. Uh, 258 and Saltbox and I think that's what's going to uh, 
I don't think there's anyone better who could be guiding me in the right direction. Like we've seen with AJ, I don't think there's a better marketable fighter out there, to be honest. So I uh, can't really go far wrong with the Absolutely. team I've got around me now. Absolutely. Um, talk to me about the, uh, the decision uh, about turning pro. For those that don't know too much about you, you're 19 years of age and obviously carry that famous name. But, you know, this is your this is your journey and I'm sure that there would have been opportunities there to maybe stay amateur and, and, and work on various things. Why turn pro now, mate? Yeah, um, I don't... We weren't um, far off, like, turning professional anyway. Uh, we've, ideally, if things had been, been normal, we'd have probably had another 12 months, or like, maybe... Uh, around that length of time, staying in the amateurs. Mm. But um, with the way things turned out, yeah, I think it, we just came, like, I mean, because even fighting in March um, on the, uh, on my, on my, for my debut, it's still going to be a year, um, more or less, like, bang on, where Walter boxed. So I thought, like, doing it slightly earlier, like, outweighed, waiting however long it's going to be before the amateurs get going again because yeah. it's still not looking like it's going to be any time soon. Yeah, fair point. But um, like, since we made the decision, it's like um, a switch has been flipped and like we, I think I've improved more over the last six months than I have in my whole time in the amateurs. I think it's just been that extra kick up the backside and uh, that extra motivation and we've just seen a, a completely new level to a like in every area of my game. So it's definitely the best decision um, we could have made. And now I'm going to be uh, nice and active, which is the main thing, really. Absolutely. Campbell, um, I, was, I was saying to Adam just now, of course, that, you know, I remember covering your father, Ricky Hatton's first fight in um, Kingsway Leisure Centre in Widnes. On the 11th of September 1997, he retired Colin McCauley after a round in a four-rounder. And then Ricky's next fight was at Madison Square Garden on the undercard of Nazim Hamid and uh, Kevin Kelly on a, on a raucous night there. Um, is there pressure on you? Because we didn't really know. I remember Ricky telling the story, slung his bag over his, over his back after that Ma Madison Square Garden fight and disappeared out into... New York City, and no one knew who he was. But we all know who you are. You had a very high-profile launch at, in, within the bubble at uh, Anthony Joshua's fight with Kubrat Pulev in December. We all talked to you then. We watched you work out. Do you accept that there's a lot of pressure on you? And what kind of advice does Dad give to you over that? Yeah, there is, um, like, there is uh, that added pressure, which... Obviously, there's obviously a lot of expectation and a lot of interest around around me from like from the start. But I've always like, I've always dealt with that bit of pressure well. Obviously, never to this like extent what it's uh, how it is now. But even in the amateurs, there is that little bit more um, interest around it when I used to box. But I've always I've always like thrived off it. It's always been a bit of a motivator for me. Where I um, like because I've I've got to be on my game all the time because there's that many eyes on, um, so I've always dealt with it well. But at the end of the day, all like all the eyes on me, um, 
like it's me in there who's got to go and go and perform, which I'm uh, we're all really confident I'm gonna I'm gonna do. And my dad's just always said uh, he's always drilled into me about the composure, really mm. not letting things like me <clears throat> get in there and think oh I need to uh, I need to impress I need to do this I need to do that like just staying relaxed really. And that's the uh, main thing that my dad and Matthew have been uh, drilling into me. I found it extraordinary when we talked to you that you'd said that you'd never really watched a lot of his fights. You were very young as well at the time. But if there's one bit of advice that Ricky gives you at the moment that really, apart from composure, that really stays with you, is it, he's got so much brilliant advice for so many of the the other young fighters he trains. What's the main bit of advice that he gives you about how you move forward now? Uh, stay out the pub, I think so. Always yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do as I say, not as I do. Perfect. <laughs> Campbell, just just on that, because I've, I've watched plenty of your interviews over the last um, four to six weeks. And you come across an incredibly mature young man. You're 19 years of age. And I just want to ask you a question about being a young dad. Do you think that that has helped with your focus now on your professional career? Because other 19-year-old lads, they're out, like you just said, they're in the boozer, they're doing whatever they're doing, and they've probably got their eyes on various other things. But you seem incredibly driven and focused uh, on your craft. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's a big motivator because... I can't afford like if I can't afford to slip up now, um, because it's not like it's not just my future that um, that I'm working like working towards building. Like if I slip up, I slip up for for mine and me, like my daughter's future, which uh, I'm not going to let happen. So I've got to work work that extra like bit harder than any other. Like I've turned twenty this month, mm. so I've got to work harder than like every other twenty year old who's not in this position what a wonderful opportunity as well the card that you're on on march the 6th mate there's going to be a lot of eyes obviously on the main event that particular night um but like you said it's your debut it's a wonderful opportunity for you to make a stamp and make an impression and uh, and to show showcase your talents the things that you've been working on in the gym uh, with your uncle um and put them on that big pay-per-view platform yeah definitely i couldn't have uh, couldn't have asked for much better really pay-per-view card um such a top fight um, and such an interesting fight uh, for the main event that like, like we saw last time because uh, it was like it was quite a dramatic first fight where Dillian was in complete control and then it just switched with one shot, didn't it? Where with the heavyweights it could happen again or it could uh, carry on with Dillian in control. I like, just don't have a clue. So there's a, a lot of excitement on that night and uh, really looking forward to it. Listen, I've got two more things, right? This is not boxing related. Um, like yourself, I'm a massive Oasis fan, right? Now, um, your, your dad obviously had the, the brothers uh, walk him and carry his belts to a ring at one particular time. Since then, obviously, they've parted ways. Oasis isn't currently a thing. Do you think you can be the man, right? You can be the man to bring Oasis back together, pal. Can we make that happen? I'll have a good go. <laughs> don't know if I'll be able to do it, but I'll have a good go. I've got another one. Um, will we ever see you pictured like Ricky was with Bernard Manning in a pair of underpants together? Will we ever see you pictured in your underpants with a comedian? 
I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. Don't know Stay about out that of the one, pub. But, uh... Stay out of the pub. Yeah. <laughs> the other one was about. If I've been to the pub, there's a very good chance. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. On March the 20th, we could be getting ourselves a new Cruiserweight World Champion. The task is very, very tough. Christoph Glowacki stands in the way of Lawrence O'Corley. Lawrence joined myself and Gareth on the show on Saturday night to talk about the prospect of having his hand raised and having some gold around his waist. Undefeated and the new WBO International Cruiserweight Champion, the Sauce Lawrence O'Coley. That's an introduction for our next guest. You listen to Fight Night here on Talksport. I'm Adam Catrell, Gary Day Davies uh, alongside me. We spoke a little earlier on in the show. Uh, about Carl Frampton being the next Brit up for a world title on February 27th. After him, it will be this man, Lawrence O'Coley, March the 20th, getting his opportunity at becoming uh, the Cruiserweight Champion of the World. Lawrence, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm um, well, thanks. Thank you so much uh, for that intro. I loved it. I was, I was here shadow boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we, we, when we've had you on the show in previous times, and our audience will know this, you are one of the most relaxed, laid-back dudes in this game, right? That, that's, that goes um, uh, uh, in front of you. But how testing was it when, um, obviously, this fight was originally scheduled for the back end of last year, your opponent tested positive for COVID, and therefore your opportunity fighting for a world title was put on hold. 
how did how how what was going on in your mind during that particular period, mate? Um, it was it was obviously difficult. You know, I had um, little personal goals. You know, I wanted to uh, win the world title. I think it might have been a fight sooner than AJ and all these little 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 things, little things. But then ultimately, you know, I, was, I, I still felt happy and blessed to be boxing um, during obviously what's been going on with the whole world. So it was, it was a mix of it was a mix of emotions. Obviously, I wanted to box for the world title, but otherwise, I was just happy to be out there, you know, fighting again. So it's, it was it was a bittersweet one, but you know, we, we move. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, obviously, disappointment at that particular time. You you go through the motions of of, of fight week and, and taking care of an opponent that you that you're kind of on a lose lose situation because you were supposed to take care of him. You do that. Talk to me about then the next conversation when the fight gets rebooked because then uh, I've no doubt there was a smile on your face and straight back into camp, chomping at the bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it was good. You know, it was a, it was an opportunity to shake off ring rust if that is such a thing. You know, and um, just just. Just get in there and make a small statement. Um, so it was good. It was good. It was good to go in there, you know, show a little bit of what me and Shane McGuigan have been working on in the gym. Um, and yeah, like obviously, when you get the news, for me, obviously, I won the European title, um, uh, and then it was kind of like, okay, yeah, well, you're, you're, somehow, you know, you, you've got the world title shot because of, you know, um, Gowacki versus Bradis, this, that, another where this one felt like a final eliminator, where it's like, all right, listen, when you win this fight, you're boxed for the world title. So now I feel like mentally a lot more prepared. And not that I was, mm. I, I was never not, not that I was never unprepared. Not that I was ever unprepared, but it felt, it felt a lot more real. Like, you know what? Win this one, world title fight next. Now it's not been sprung on me. It's like I've had a long time to <clears> kind of get my head around it all. So... I just feel good and ready to go on and put in a, a, a great performance. Let's hope you do, um, Lawrence. Um, Happy New Year to you. The 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 the, yeah. the guy you're facing, Christoph Glovacki, has only lost twice to Alexander Usyk and Maris Bredis. Obviously, Bredis has gone over and now holds the IBF title. Glovacki's a two-time world champion. You must be looking at this. So must Shane McGuigan, your trainer, and your whole camp, and Eddie Hearn, and all these guys as... This is your first real test in a really big fight. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that in terms of, you know, obviously the pedigree and the experience that this guy's got, you know, there's no escaping it. You know, he's only lost to two great fighters who, you know, go down as some of the best cruiserweights potentially in history, especially in it. Um, So for me to add my name to that list, you know, it's the start of my own journey of, of, you know, recognised greatness. You know, I already feel great within myself, but I need to obviously go and prove it on fight nights. But I feel more than capable of, you know, winning this fight. Although, you know, I tell myself, you know, you're the underdog and stuff like that. You know, he's got experience in this. I just feel like with just boxing tactics and just overall dimensions and just reality, you know, the reality is I'm six foot five. The guy I'm boxing six foot, you know, six foot one, I'm strong, I'm young, you know, I've got so much to gain with a victory. Um, so I, I just feel like I'm going to do everything in my power to to have my hand raised. And he's a southpaw, so your right hand comes into effect, of course. Yeah. Sorry, before we carry on, uh, I just wanted to quickly make a quick statement that you have to be one of the best interviewers um, in, in, in the game. But go on, carry on. 
<laughs> he's well, putting no, his I'm up. Just, I like it. <laughs> no, no, but it's. I just think he's got. A, he's a sneaky kind of fighter. But I've always said this to you. You know, whenever we've talked, and you know, you, you, people have always said you've got a smash and grab style. You you, you get in close and you clinch, but you've got your big, powerful right hand and your jab on the outside. I know that Shane McGuigan's. Um, making you crouch more, he's making you more stable on your feet, all those kind of things we talked about, Lawrence. But yeah. um, surely, if you beat Glavaki, mm-hmm. do you not want to immediately unify and go after Bradis and go after oh, the what, IBF what, title as well as the w, having the WBO? 100%. You know, I try not to take my eyes off the ball, you know, because nothing is guaranteed. It's not like I just walk in and pick it up. I have to actually fight. But I've already made it very, very, very clear to Eddie Hearn and obviously Shane's on board as well, that I won't be doing this, unless, of course, you never know what happens with other champions. But my thing is I'm going straight in. Like, I'm 28 years old now, and, you know, it's, it's, I just I just really want to get it all done. Like, I want to go down as one of Britain's best, you know, cruiserweights slash heavyweights, just one of the best boxers out of, out of Britain. So to do that, I have to be in world title fights, in unification fights, win. So, um that's really the aim, you know. I have no, I have no, I gain no satisfaction from, for example, the fight I had last. You know, it, it looks nice and it's brilliant. Everyone's saying, "Oh, mate, you're so, you're so great." But when I'm actually at home by myself, you know, and I'm thinking to myself about, you know, what I've done and why I'm training and all this, it's for world titles, it's for unifications, it's for the fights where people say, "I don't know," you know, he's really, like, I don't know if he can do it, and then I go and do it. That's mm. what I'm. Really I'm really looking forward to mm. Just on that, Lawrence, because you bring up something which you... This is obviously your own personal journey, right? And and, and you uh, have got your own personal ambitions of becoming world champion. But listen, we've documented your journey from working at the Burger Bar to, to where you're at right now, and that is inspirational within itself. What have, what have the messages been like from young people up and down the country who have followed you from start to finish and now you're fighting for a world title. What are those messages of support and inspiration like and how much is it having an effect on, 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 on I suppose, fueling your own personal fire? No, of course. It's one of the, my main motivating factors is that, you know, I get not only, you know, sent to my you know, personal Instagrams and stuff like that, it's generally like just in the area, just, man, I go to the same school as you or my little sister yeah. or stuff or you know, my little brother, or he's not so little, but one of my brothers works in um, a school as well, and he's like, mate, like he gets bombarded by students and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a, it's a I don't want to say weird. It's just to me, it, it just adds a lot of fuel and motivation because, of course, I'm my own person, and you know, I have my own reasons for doing stuff. But it 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 means a lot when my own personal journey has, even if it's a small effect, has an effect on someone else. You know, and says. You know, I was bullied or I was overweight or I'm doing this and I want to go into, you know, becoming an actor or opening my own law firm or whatever. Just yeah. allow people to have a little bit more belief in what they're doing as well because I managed to change my life. So it's um, it's, it's important and it's one of my main motivating factors, which is, you know, another reason why I'm going to fight so hard um, in a few weeks' time. Mate, it's going to be something nice special going, going to your brother's school. Yeah, slapping that belt on and doing yeah, the speech the in the assembly or something that'd be amazing that's the one that's the one and I'll be like everyone be nice to Mr. O'Coldy you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> now on the undercard of that world title fight between Lawrence O'Coley and Christoph Glowacki is a man making his debut he made a big splash in Team GB 
uh, and has decided to turn professional. He is the main sparring partner for the likes of Anthony Joshua, Daniel Dubois and Joe Joyce. It is, of course, Solomon Dacris, and he is joining us on the show right now. With boxing, the end result was, what can you make of it? It's, it's all on yourself. It's an individual sport, and I thought, if I can push myself as far as I can, the sky's the limit in the sport sort of thing. So with boxing, it was more of a, it's on my own shoulders. Mm. And then the decision to turn pro, because obviously that we're currently living through this crazy time, this pandemic time. You were doing incredibly well with Team GB and I'm sure there were conversations there of various aspects that, and, and, and routes that you could take in the amateur game. Yeah. Was the pandemic kind of the catalyst to, to kick you into the, into the pro game? Did that, was that the inspiration to get you going? Yeah, I suppose so. In, in a way, I was looking to turn pro after the Olympic cycle anyway. So that's, that's yeah. four years. On, on the GB squad there there or thereabouts I've had. So I was looking to turn pro in that level of experience anyway. So with it being postponed, qualification still having to take place. It was it was a matter of, am I going to wait for six months for potentially no reason? Or am I going to just take things into my own hands and, and get cracking and fighting, which is what I wanted to do and turn pro, which was ultimately what I, I was looking forward to doing anyway. Great to have you on the show, Solomon. I can't wait for your debut. I'm going to ask you some quick-fire questions because we're running out of time tonight, and I do appreciate you yeah. staying up late because um, you're meant to be in bed. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, Fraser Clark, Olympic medal in Japan, gold, silver, or bronze? He's got the potential to go all the way. He's got the potential to go all the way. Yeah, so it's up to him how hard he trains. <laughs> Anthony Joshua, uh, Daniel Dubois, uh, Joe Joyce, who's the hardest guy you've sparred with? All very hard spars. Uh, technically, they're all different. Joyce, Joyce is one of those. Though it's a hard spar, no matter what, how many rounds you do with him, it's it's, it's a hard slug with Joe Joyce every time. <laughs> yeah. And what about the other two? Yeah, and the other two are very very powerful. The boy's got that one hit power. Joshua's got that power, but he's also got the speed and the combination punching to go with it. So, they're, and they're very they're all very good technically. So they're all very very tough spars, all of them. Mm. Who wins out of Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua in the summer, probably in the Middle East? That's brutal. That's a brutal question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to tune in to find out, I think. No, no, no. On your debut on fight night, you do not sit on the fence. You're a big, strong heavyweight. You're well up after your bedtime. I want an answer. You may be wrong, you may be right, but I just need to know. And, and Anthony or Tyson aren't going to give you... A, a kind of backhander if you choose one or nah, the other. No, 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 no. I can't be the mystic Meg, you know, but <laughs> it's, it's going to have to be one of those where you have to watch and find out because I honestly don't know, to be honest. <laughs> Love it. I'm assuming you were a back row forward and a number eight or a lock or a, or a, yeah, or a flanker. Yeah. yeah, exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. And a final one for me. I know Adam's got to get a question. Final one for me. Are we going to see you in a world title fight one day? Absolutely. That's the goal from me to get to the world title level. Like I'm on, my debut's on the Lawrence O'Coley World Title Undercard. I want mm. to be headlining those world, world Title cards myself, definitely. Solomon, just a, just a quick one on obviously the decision with with turning pro, and, and I know Gareth just mentioned there some of the elite level guys that you've been in with when it comes to sparring. How much confidence did you take from those spars, um, and how much of of, of that confidence then um, influenced your decision to turn pro at this particular stage? Yeah, you, you take lots of confidence from it. You know, if you're, you're there sparring world champions like Joshua and you're sparring him a few weeks later, he's 
is going and knocking guys out in an undisputed world title fight, and you're thinking, I had a good spar with him a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. He's giving you great, great confidence. And for me, not even having had a pro fight yet, thinking the development process, you definitely get confidence from it 100%. We're looking forward to you putting all this in action, man. Because Me listen, too. your yeah, uh, your, man, your 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 management team, Sam. He's, listen, he's bigging you up, man. He's he's giving it. He's giving it as in the ears. So we're ready. <laughs> we're ready for some fireworks on March the twentieth. Let me tell you, I'm ready. I'm ready as well, man. I can't wait to get going. Definitely. Time to move away from boxing for just a split second because last weekend at UFC two five seven. Then you may have noticed that there was quite a big fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. I was lucky enough to be on Fight Island, so myself and Gareth picked the bones out of the main event. Live from Anaheim Arena on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi! No, man, you can't sit out here at this range and play with McGregor. Oh, that leg's beat up, man. He's got to go back to the oh, oh, Big left and now oh, right. Oh, man. Oh, oh, my God. God. That's the ball. I felt like this was a title fight. If Khabib's not coming back, me and Conor are the two best guys. Uh, I think this is a title fight. I'm the champion. Stunner on Fight Island as they attend to Connor. Dustin Poirier has produced the biggest win of his career by a mile. Styles make fights. There's many great stylistic matchups out there. I meet myself and Dustin are one-on-one. Myself and Nate are one-on-one. I'll regroup and pick myself up, you know what I mean? Get, get up off the floor and go again, and that's it. What a night it was, UFC 257 last weekend, or the early hours of the morning it was, wasn't it, when uh, Dustin Poirier, the diamond, uh, took care of the notorious uh, Conor McGregor in their rematch. Conor obviously uh, won the first one, Dustin's won the second one, and as they were both alluding to there, they are now one and one setting up uh, the possibility of a trilogy uh, in the future. What a night, and not only that, on the uh, co-main event we had... uh, Probably one of the best UFC debuts of all time in Michael Chandler, which we'll get to in a minute. He was absolutely unbelievable uh, against Dan Hooker. Um, Listen, Gareth, we've seen Conor rise from the flames before. He's a specialist at this, at readjusting, going back, licking his wounds, dusting off the cobwebs and coming back and getting the job done. Um, What what do you envisage next uh, for Conor, given uh, the manner of the defeat last weekend against Dustin Poirier? Well, he's, he needs to listen to his own advice, which is uh, lack of uh, fights, his inactivity. He, he put, put his, as he often does, he put his finger on the pulse immediately in his post-fight interview, Adam, um, saying that he hadn't been active enough. That's only down to him. Um, you know, obviously COVID's had, had, a, had a bearing on this as well. But I think that... Um, I think I think we're seeing the end of the Conor McGregor era. I mean, I think I, I wrote a column um, in the aftermath, a few hours after his defeat, and it reminded me of um, Nassim Hamad twenty years ago um, after his defeat to Marco Antonio Barrera. I know mm. MMA is very different to boxing, you know, and I, I'm not a neophyte. I've been around MMA quite a long time now, but um, I just got the sense that. Rather like the first fight in 2014-13 where he blew Dustin away in 100 and 
six seconds at featherweight. There were, it looked like he had the intention and it looked like he might well do it. He might blow Dustin away in that first round. Um, and he, I think he came close to finishing Dustin yeah. in that first round. Mm-hmm. It, it, was a, it was a formidable um, uh, Conor McGregor with a lot of self-belief. But I just, in, in the end, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm being hypercritical here, but he looked one-dimensional. He looked like he was boxing too much mm-hmm. as opposed to using a whole repertoire or just striking too much rather than using a whole repertoire. I thought he was extraordinary afterwards. He's always been a brilliant martial artist when he wins or loses. Yeah. Like you say, 2016, against the better advice of so many observers, myself included, wondering whether he really should come back against Nate Diaz straight away. And he was phenomenal in the second fight. And he came through the same tunnel of issues and pain and went on to, to win an extraordinary fight. Um, I just wonder whether, what is it, five fights in six years, six fights in five years, whether the, the, the hundreds of millions that he's earned, the turning up in the billionaires, yacht, the, the proverbial mm-hmm. sleeping in silk pyjamas, um, as Marvin Hagler once said, you know, yeah. how can you go running at five in the morning when you're sleeping in silk pyjamas? Whether the hunger of that wonderful start seven, eight years ago in the UFC. I've got, I interviewed him after the, um, after his first victory in the UFC in Sweden for, for BT Sports, I think it was at the time, mm. or UFC on Fox or whatever it was at the time. And, and he was extraordinary. And he was extraordinary. And he's still extraordinary. But I think Father Time waits for no one. And he may wait, have wasted some time in his career by, by one thing and another, by earning so much, didn't need to fight and, and all those factors. And if he can halt what I see as decline, what a lot of people see as decline, it will be an extraordinary comeback. But I mean, I'll throw it to you. You were around mm. him all week. Yeah. Um, you know, is he, Muhammad Ali was a parody of himself in the end. Nazim Hamid didn't listen uh, to Brendan England. He needed to work more on his defense as he moved up the levels. You know, is Conor McGregor still as hungry as he was? Can he get back right to the top? Does he beat Justin Gaethje? Does he beat Dustin Poirier in a rematch? Does he beat Nate Diaz? Can he beat Khabib? You know, can he beat Michael Chandler? I, a lot of these guys beat him, I think, you know? I think you've, you've touched upon the key word and it's desire and hunger, isn't it? I think ability-wise, Conor McGregor is an extremely capable mixed martial artist and I don't think he gets enough credit for being an elite-level mixed martial artist. He, the way that he spoke about the defeat uh, afterwards, not just in a humble manner of, of taking the defeat on the chin, just the way that he actually talked about the technicalities of how the defeat came about, that then said to me that this kid knows what he's doing. He's absolutely lasered in. And ability-wise, I think he can do all those things. It's going to come down to whether he wants to do all those things. I honestly believe as well, the shadow of the Manny Pacquiao fight, the possibility of that fight happening, kind of changed his, or maybe distracted his thought process. Because as you just said, he, he did, when, when, he, when the cage door shut and the, start, and the fight started, he wasn't the normal fluid mixed martial artists that we're used to seeing with the low hands. Yes, the, the karate stance was still there, but the hands were very high. It was a peekaboo guard. It was very boxing-esque, wasn't it, Gareth? Mm. And, you think, and you think to yourself, that's a man preparing for something else. He's not preparing for an MMA fight. So maybe now with that fight on the back burner, because I think that's gone now, it comes down to a question of desire. Do you want it? Do you want to come and, and do you want to go out in the manner that you went out? I don't think he will. I think I think he'll 
lick his wounds, he'll dust himself off and he'll think to himself, there's no way that my mixed martial arts career is finishing on the floor in Abu Dhabi. It's not happening that way. And there's loads of possibilities for him because he's still the money, he's still the guy. He, he spoke brilliantly all week. He, I think he is focused on his training. He maybe was just a bit distracted with the Manny Pacquiao thing. And if he comes back and solely focused just on MMA and beating the guys that are put in front of him, I think he's got a real chance. And there's two fights that I would look at right now for him. Uh, the first one would be Tony Ferguson because he's coming off two losses. And I think that's, you know, he's still a highly ranked guy. And if Conor McGregor can get a win against Tony Ferguson, I think it puts him in a really strong position. There's also the Nate Diaz trilogy. Mm. There's that that sat there. Nate's talking about coming down to 155 pounds at lightweight. There's also that. Dustin Poirier is going to go on his own journey now. And I think a fight maybe with Charles Oliveira is going to be set up for the world title. And if he can come through that, and that's not an easy task because Charles Oliveira is brilliant. But if he can come through that, and in the meantime, Conor's beaten someone like Tony Ferguson or Nate Diaz, the trilogy's there because Conor's always the money. And people are always going to go, I want to fight Conor McGregor because it brings the most amount of eyes and it brings me the most amount of cash. And if Dustin Poirier is the champion at that particular time, what a wonderful narrative to set up for the third fight between those two. But again, like I said, right at the start of this, it comes down to whether he wants to do it because as you, as you rightfully pointed out, he rocked up in Abu Dhabi uh, on, the on, biggest yacht I've, yacht. on the biggest yacht I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it, was, I, I, it wasn't it, a yacht, it was a cruise liner, mate. It was yeah, exactly. Liner. You know, it was a billionaire's boat. I mean, look, you raise a lot of interesting points there, you know, um, and we haven't even spoken about Michael Chandler yet either. Oh, you know? he was a real... Um, you know, I mean, I've known Michael a long time and, you know, been around him a lot and he's, he's a very, very formidable... Um, you know, he's like a mini Mike Tyson when he fights, mm. you know. He's, he's either going to destroy or be destroyed. It's as simple as that. Um, I think one of the things... Connor was extraordinarily successful at featherweight. He's not the biggest lightweight in the world. But I think, like you say, I, I, there's also the question of Khabib Nurmagomedov, who's, who is... Uh, to use a boxing term, kind of a champion in recess at the moment, yeah. isn't it? He's retired, so why haven't they stripped him of the title? You know, mm. so I think that's so, coming. I think that's coming. I think. Listen, Habib is a man of his word. I think he. I think he's staying out the the way for a period of time. Somebody's got to do something very very special to get yeah. him back in the octagon. I'm convinced of that. Um, Justin Poirier right now is the best lightweight on the planet, and and, and he's, he's as he says himself, he is the uncrowned king. He's got to go out there and whether he's got to do a, another fight in order to get that belt. Um, then, then so be it. But for me, Dustin Poirier, what a yeah. guy! What a, what a only, fantastic performance! You only have to look at his his. You know, he gets beaten by Conor McGregor, and he's got beaten by um, and he's been beaten by Khabib Nurmagomedov. But it, it, in in the middle of all of that, victories over the likes of Anthony Pettis, oh, Justin Gaethje, he's unreal. Eddie yeah. Alvarez. You know, these these are formidable. Dan Hooker as well. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're formidable fighters, and. Um, you know, he's got better and better. I remember watching Justin, uh, Dustin years and years and years ago. And he's got an extraordinary ground game as well. And, and I wondered whether he was, he was actually going to submit Connor in this fight, get him to the ground. Yeah, real possibility, that, yeah. It was a real possibility. Um, yeah. You know, I think Connor could go on fighting. Let me, let, me, let me put this straight because there'd be a lot of Connor McGregor fans listening to this live tonight or listening to the podcast. He has been an extraordinary, he's an extraordinary fighter. He's not just a brilliant marketeer. Mm -hmm. He didn't, hasn't just done brilliant things to the UFC. I think, you know, and with Floyd Mayweather, I think five of the top six UFC pay-per-views belong to Conor McGregor fights. 
Um, he, he, he's, he's so brilliant. He's so talented. He's once-in-a-generation so div- athlete. He's a once-in-a-generation athlete. That's Absolutely. He he's so divisive as well that he draws people to the sport. He's got his act right. I, I, think, I don't think he'll fight more than two or three more times, and he's got to pick very carefully when he does fight. I think Tony Ferguson's a tough fight. Justin Gage is a tough fight. Um, you know, there's Poirier, the Poirier rematch, I think, does big money. And the UFC's decision is, do they get Khabib to vacate and put Poirier in with Charles Oliveira, as you say, or Michael Chandler, which is another, yeah, yeah, yeah. it would really draw an audience, that fight, because of what uh, Michael Chandler's just done Absolutely. with his call-out, his leap off the, the, the octagon uh, wall, you know, it's his, his call-out afterwards, the manner in which he put Dan Hooker away, and Dan Hooker's got an extraordinary chin, remember? Yeah. Um, one of the best chins in the division, or even in the UFC. So, um, they, it, it, it's how it all stacks up. They are Machiavellian, they're about making money, and it wouldn't surprise me to see Connor in, in with... Uh, Dustin Poirier next in a, in, a, in a trilogy fight and I see that the PR machine around John Kavanaugh was calling for that in the week after as well so it's very very interesting and he always brings intrigue and eyes to the sport and he always will do Coming up on February 27th, there is a monster fight taking place in New Zealand. Do not let this pass you by. You will know one of the participants for sure in Joseph Parker. He's taking on Junior Farr. It is a massive, massive fight. Obviously local pride at stake, but also for the ramifications of the heavyweight division. The winner of this gets themselves incredibly close to another shot, maybe for Joe, at a world title. Our favourite Kiwi joined us on the show for a bit of a chinwag. Here he is, Mr Parker. This will be the biggest fight domestically, um, just because of what at stake. Uh, what, what's at stake? You know, we're both ranked in the top ten in the world. We have some history um, as amateurs, but then also we're, you know, we're from the same place. We're, we pretty much live like t- fifteen minutes from each other. Wow. No. So uh, in terms of domestic um, fights, this will this will be the biggest for me. Well, just on that, because like, like I said, you, you prepare for fights in Vegas over here in the UK and various places in the world. So therefore. I suppose being at home in New Zealand training and doing your thing, even though you train uh, a lot in Las Vegas, you can kind of escape the conversations of a fight. I bet you can't, act, you can't move right now for fans seeing you in the local supermarket or wherever it may be talking about this fight because it is absolutely ginormous over your way. It's a, it's a very, like you say, it is a ginormous fight here in New Zealand. I think around the world, it's not so big just because Junior Far doesn't really have a massive profile, even though he's ranked, you know, he's ranked number five in the WBO. But here in New Zealand, it's a big difference from training in Vegas. It's a big difference from flying over to the UK. It's actually nice to be back here home to, mm. and, and looking forward to fighting in front of a big crowd. But also, I'm able to train, see my family daily. And I know what I have to do. I know what I have to do in this fight to make a statement. I know I have to go in there and take care of business, let my hands go, because I know when I let my hands go, I can do a lot of damage. And as of recent times, I haven't done that. So the goal is to go in there and, and let it go. Joseph, um, Junior Farr, I think, is unbeaten in 18 or 19. Um, as you say, it's a massive, I don't say local fight, but it's a, it's a massive fight down under. Yeah. I think the Spark Arena's are 12,000. Are you allowed full crowd in? How's it going to work? Do you know? Yeah, we're, we're very fortunate down here in New Zealand where things are still quite normal. You know, and, I, and my, my, my love and prayers go out to all of you guys out there because I know you guys are on lockdown. 
or, or most of the country is. But we are able to have crowds here. We are able to have people at the fight. So, you know, nothing has changed. We haven't been hit with, um, you know, COVID again. So we're very blessed and fortunate. We have to consider ourselves very lucky. Arguably, this is a massive fight because the victor is right up there. You're both very, very high together in the IBF rankings, I believe. So it's like you're like five and seven or something in the IBF rankings. So the winner of this is only a fight away from the Furies, the Joshuas, another one of those big fights. But are you still really genuinely after a fight with Derek Chisora if you beat Junior Farr? I actually don't really care who I fight after. The, the, my main focus is Junior Farr. And there is unfinished business there because, you know, I, I had to pull out of the fight for health issues. Um, and, and it's not... Spider bite. Yeah, you know, spider bite. <laughs> spider bite that really causes me a lot of damage. Now, but it's not fair for him because he was preparing for the fight. And I still want to fight him. He's got a big mouth and he thinks he can beat me. And I feel like I can knock him out. But I have to take care of business first before I even look at any other fight. The, the thing I like about this fight, Joe, right, is the needle. I, I kind of like, I kind of, I always love needle in a fight. I like it when there's a little bit of animosity between you. And as you've said, you've got history from amateurs and he does like to chat a bit, doesn't he? There's old junior fight. He does like, he does like to, uh, to try and rev you up a bit, mate. Yeah, I know he's, he's saying, you know, he's, he has not been impressed with my fight and I lack power and saying this and that. And of course, people can say whatever they want to say and that's good. Uh, if he's saying these things to give himself confidence, I like that. But when you're in the ring and when a bell goes, there's not many things you're able to say in the ring. You know, it's all about letting your hands go and seeing who's going to do the most damage. And I feel like, you know, the boxing is a game where you want to go in there and you knock up your opponent. You know, that is the goal. So when I'm in there, you know, we can be nice to each other before the fight and after the fight. But when I'm in there, I, I really want to take his head off. And I know he wants to do the same. Will there be... Um a YouTube video post-fight, obviously, after the victory. I'm just trying to think whether you're going to be making a Rocky Balboa thing or something, man. What are you going to be making? <laughs> hey, you send, you send me a list of suggestions, yeah, and we'll work on whatever you suggest. There's, there's got to be some there's got to be some Rocky in there, Gareth, aren't there? You know what I mean? I mean, the guy's absolutely... My favourite one still to this day is the Anchorman scene when you sat on the pool table and you're singing away there. That's still my favourite one to this uh, day, mate. Did, did I dream this or did you do Grease once as yeah, well? Yeah, of course he has. He's done them all, mate. He's done every film yeah. on the planet. <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to think of one. Uh, Besides from the training and the hard work, it, it's always important to have, uh, you know, have fun and relax. Yeah. And these are the things that keep us relaxed. So, of course, we've got to train and run, punch the bag and do this and do that. But sometimes we've just got to relax and make some funny videos. Mm. Listen, I um, recently was fortunate enough to be covering a bit of UFC. And obviously, there was a New Zealand fighter involved in that, in Dan Hooker. And I know that he's connected to City Kickboxing, which he's obviously connected to Junior Far. But the, the lads, the New Zealand lads that were all in that camp... Every single one of them, man, were buzzing about this fight. It's just good to be able to speak to an athlete that is going to compete in front of a crowd in normal times. I know that the world's weird all over the place, but that, again, must be something that you're incredibly excited about because the world is in disarray, but you're getting an opportunity to do your thing, the thing that you love, in front of a packed stadium. Oh, listen, uh, the excitement, it's, uh, and the closer we get to the fight, the more excited, the more not ego, just the more, you know, we want to be in there and fighting in front of our home crowd. Yeah. And again, there's a lot of fights around the world fighting behind closed doors with no audience, no crowd. So we are very blessed and we're going to make the most of the opportunity. We want to come in here both 100% and give it everything we have because there's going to be an audience, there's going to be a crowd, there's going to be people watching this fight. And like you say, the winner 
is going to be elevated to be, you know, getting closer to fighting for that world title. So mm-hmm. it is a very important fight here in this, in this part of the world. Joseph, um, I'm going to push you here. Um, I don't, I've looked at his record. He hasn't been in against anyone of the quality that you fought or yourself. You look at your own record, Joshua, Huey Fury, Dillian White, Andy Ruiz Jr., um, Dimitrenko, all these guys. Give us a clean, clear prediction and then sing us a song out of the break, please. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always say that I'm going to knock someone out between rounds one and 12. Okay, <laughs> that's fight, fine. For this fight, I want to knock, I, I want to knock him out and I want to go, like, I'm going to go in there and have fun because, and relax. Because when you go in there and have fun and relax, things flow naturally. And, uh, and I guess I do want to knock him out. I'm not sure what round it is. But what, what, what song would you like me to sing? Mary whatever song, the, whatever song you're going to sing. When Mary you have a little laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Much Joseph. love to you, brother. Much Mate. love right. to you, brother. You're a Best superstar. Hey, uh, thank you guys for always having me on and the support. And uh, I look forward to when we can catch up in the near future. Absolutely, Absolutely. man. The, the beautiful thing about this fight, Joe, right? Because of the time difference, we can get up, have our cocoa pops in the morning, a little bit watch of breakfast, and watch you do your thing, man. Oh, you know, know what I mean? That's lovely. Listen, you hit it on the, you hit the nail on the head when you showed cocoa pops. That is a great start <laughs> to the day. <laughs> so there you go. Action packed show. Lots of stuff to get excited about as we build up to hopefully some top class unification bouts over the next four to five months. We'll keep you posted with everything on that here on TalkSport. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Fight Night is what you're looking for on iTunes and we'll catch you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 